We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we had a trio of Game 6s tonight. Full disclosure, we are recording during the second half of the Dallas-Utah game, so we probably won't uh, get too much into that. I have it paused in the living room to resume uh, once once we're done here. But... In the earlier games, I thought one of the big stories, especially in the broader themes of what we've been talking about lately, are a few of the lead guards really, really shown through tonight. First was uh, the Toronto and Philly game, which went differently than we thought it might go in yesterday's pod. It was a 62 to 61 at halftime. And then Philly just whooped them in the second half. They scored 70 points. It was 70 to 36 in the the second half. And a lot of that was catalyzed by James Harden and Tyrese Maxey in that third quarter. They combined for 22 points. um, And a lot of their action was initiated from their guards. And so it was kind of that missing piece that... Philly had been so Embiid-centric through their first three wins of this series, and Harden had been kind of like, oh, where is, where is he? And Maxi had had a couple good games, but they both really showed up. Those guards really showed up at the same time. But the big headliner tonight, Chris Paul sets an NBA record, scoring 33 points on 14 of 14 from the field. Darius, we've talked so much about the size at the guard position, um, but Chris Paul is the archetype of the brilliant skill small guard that controls the game in a multitude of ways that really belie his physical stature. Talk to me about just a classic game six, a salute to the Pelicans, but Chris Paul was a bad man tonight. This is why he's the best pure, I would say, point guard of his generation, of this generation really like there will be players who may go down as better than him like Steph Curry for example right who has league MVPs and is a point guard but by positional definition right like Steph is really a one of one and 35 years ago Chris Paul probably would have been like a one of 20 
right? There were pro- there weren't maybe twenty players as good as him, like him across the league, but he he is from a mold, Mike, of players that there used to be a lot of these guys in yeah. the league: the Norm Nixons, the Mark Prices, the Oh man, you can go on Rod and on. Strickland, Rod Strickland, Terrell, Terrell Brandon, like, Mookie Blaylock, yeah. Kevin Johnson. Like yep. you could go on and on and on in terms of just guards who, who had they were raised with a pedigree of running a team. Isaiah Thomas, right, is is another one, and there's not a lot of those guys left anymore. The position has really shifted towards um, an archetype of player that was really not appreciated very much like in the 80s and 90s, which is like the score first guard and was combo guard. uh Yeah, those were looked down upon and and was like those players were derided a lot. I want to say like even as late as the early to mid 2000s, right? The the Stefan Marbury's of the world, they were looked at as less worthy and less able of leading a winner than the Jason kids of the world. Right. And and so Chris Paul, what differentiates Chris Paul? And I heard him say this. I don't know if it was on a podcast or if it it might've been post game availability in one of the TNT games a few weeks ago, but he had said something like, you know, just because I don't score a lot, that doesn't mean I can't score. He's like, I could score if I want, but that's really like not what he does. But Devin Booker came back tonight, but he was clearly on a minutes restriction and was not. Didn't have his rhythm. No, he was not in clo- anywhere close to peak form. He was probably no. 60%. And Chris Paul smelt blood in the water. Like this is our chance to like, we're not going to go. We're not going to go back to Phoenix. We're not going to leave it to uh, anything can happen in game seven. Right. Chris Paul has seen plenty of those and has come out on the wrong side of those plan plenty of times as well. And so I thought it was just a masterful performance, Mike. And and it was one that I think comes from that idea of what once was as a point, like reading the game and understanding what your team needs and delivering that. And in that way, I thought Chris Paul truly was in top form. Um, but what did you see from the quote unquote point God? Well, the fact that he didn't miss a shot and that they were all contested mid range and different spots, like his actual shot chart, that's of course remarkable, but it's just the, it's kind of the summation of his game and the, the control that he had it, that when he exerted his control and he's just become such a winning player. And I, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't say become because he's really always been a winning player in college, as a young player in New Orleans, um, as a Clipper. And I think that here in Los Angeles, at least, his time with the Clippers didn't necessarily do him any favors in terms of the way that he was liked league-wide. Just because that team, right, when you combine him with Doc and with Blake and it was just there, there was so much extracurriculars, I guess, shall we say, in the nice way. But that that team was not super fun to watch and, you know, and didn't come through in the moments that it needed to. And there were multiple reasons for that. But I think that Chris probably took too much of that blame uh, while he was there. And then what has he done since then? That's been even more impressive. So going to OKC when everybody sort of wrote that team off and getting them to the five seed 
which we've talked about before. And that was, that was not a good team. Like it was, it was shake like Gildress Alexander, super young, Dennis Schroeder and a bunch of fill in front court players for the most part. And, and that of course was um, that of course is ignoring Houston. Cause I'm, I was just looking at, um, I was looking at lower on his basketball reference page for a little bit, but so Houston, before he gets to OKC, that team almost beats this all-time great Golden State team. And he gets to Phoenix, and sure, that team had had started to put something together. But to me, he was the person that taught them how to win. And I thought that Monty Williams, sure, he's been great there. But Chris, to me, was the biggest culture changer there. He was the guy that came in and demanded a certain uh, a certain level of performance from his teammates that didn't always sit as well with guys like James Harden, or Blake Griffin, some of his previous teammates that were like, no, 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 I'm a pro too. I can do this. And and really, I think that had those guys just listened to Chris a little bit better and sort of understood that, that where he was coming from was this desperate to win. And again, he might go, he might cross the line sometimes, but I've just sort of learned Pete to take that and accept it. And the only thing now that I worry about, and this is somebody who generally doesn't like small guards, is just his health and his ability to fulfill that size through an entire playoff stretch, which is not easy for anybody, let alone somebody his size. And, and he's for the most part, uh, I, I think he's in, he's in pretty good shape to do so this postseason. And, and that's, you know, for him, I think there's some vindication there uh, for what's been a long, steady grind of just being desperate to win. And for the most part doing so. Yeah. But he's still missing that final, uh, you know, jewel on that crown to, you know, and that's what he's desperate and, and fighting for. And I think that that combination of desperation and attention to detail, he's probably the game's greatest conductor. Uh, the the guy who sets everything up on any individual play to work out, uh, he knows that this personnel in that coverage will mean that the open shot that we can get will be here from this player on our team after this action. And that foreknowledge, he has a great quote that I, I of course, I say it's a great quote and I don't know it offhand, but to paraphrase it, he, he says that watching film and mastering that is it gives you the answers to the test. And but doing that and, and and putting the time into that, it that is uh, that's a whole nother thing that not every player can get to that. Not every player really has the thirst for. And so to me, D, Chris Paul is a guy who is an example of 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 what you have control over in terms of being a great player, the things that you can get good at despite what your physical abilities are. And obviously he's a, he's in the NBA. He's a great athlete, but relative to the guys he's going up against the guys he's dominating, the guys that he's going 14 for 14 against in this late into his career, it's a real testament to how much you can learn about basketball. And that's something that with LeBron, I've learned so much about watching about basketball from watching LeBron the last few years that looking at Chris Paul after watching LeBron on this day-to-day type of basis and with the melts and all of that and the up-close footage, it gives me a deeper appreciation for a guy that is dominating by the force of both his will, his skill, and his attention to and, – and his understand – excuse me – and his understanding of uh, basketball game theory. And so just Chris Paul's a, a master of what you can control in my eyes. Yeah, and you – can't overlook the skill factor just how skilled he is is the through line 
it's the connector between everything that he does, like all the studying and all of that, like, great, right? Like, I don't want to diminish that, but it's like, you better have the tools in order to apply the tactics and the techniques that are needed in order to execute on the things that you saw on tape. Let's take a quick break. I want to come back and, and pick your brain about skills because that's that really shone through in the lead guards that we saw tonight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Yeah, that was a theme I saw in tonight's game is we've talked so much about size and big physical wings and the benefits of those types of players. But a guard, there's still place for a guard on a on a good team, on a great team, on a contending team. I've been right? asking for one. We yeah. talked about this the other day. Talk right? to me. Talk to me about what those guys bring to the table. Well, it's just a matter of understanding, like, we on this pod, and I think Mike has done a great job of of speaking to the value of shooting and how relative it could be when you start to talk about like a percentage point here or a percentage point there and what that really means within the context of of three point shooting. But Chris Paul is a great mid range shooter and his ability to get to spots on the floor and basically shoot in the high 40s or 50 percent from 16 feet and in and the ability to snake a pick and roll or position himself in in a way where he's always going to come off a screen at an angle to create separation and then to then be able to draw out the big man defender in in a way and then the way that he gathers the ball and moves it to like different spots on the like within his shooting window like there's a pocket Pete and you know this from your coaching days when you're working with with youngsters and 
they're learning how to shoot the ball. There's positioning of the ball that you talk to them about in terms of like where their elbow should be and and, and how they're going to to get to that spot in yeah, order. Yeah, just bringing the ball up is yes. something that and that ability that you're talking about to adjust like, oh, I'm going to bring it to, up and to the right and then shoot it from like this side of my head one time because yes. the defender's here, but then over, pick it up in this place instead. That that is like PhD plus, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like mastery of the sport. If you watch a great tennis player who's like really good at serving and then they throw the ball up and the ball toss isn't going to the same place every single time when they're going to adjust the way that they're going to hit the ball and where they're going to aim, right? And so when you watch Chris Paul, it's that sort of ability to say, oh, no, the defender is going to reach in here. So I'm going to bring the ball out wide and then mm -hmm. swoop it up to my shooting pocket and then extend the ball. Or I'm going to bring it up inside. <laughs> Sorry, Pete's dogs are probably just they're, they're protesting they're, they didn't get enough food it's like yeah it's i, I actually darius I had, with that sound i had bet on one of your daughters actually so because oh, it no. sounded like a like a tin was dropped or something but is that is that like a water bowl that's no that's gone yeah that's pee? the protest bowl that is that's charlie that's my big like 105 pound lab weimaraner when yeah. he's just like not pleased with how much food he got even though he's had plenty of food he drops it from as high as he can onto the hardwood floor and it makes a cartoon sound and here we i already knew that it was something related to a food bowl and i was just like this dude he's so bold he's it's like living with pirates well so what's the com what's the command that comes from that or what's the phrase that comes from you had you not been recording if Char when charlie does that what, what do you mean like what do you what would you say to him when he does that. Oh, had we not been recording? Yeah. I actually find it quite amusing. And okay. yeah, that's so probably you, that's why he, he still does it. Yeah. Okay. See, you guys think I'm this like cruel dictator with my dogs because I bust out into like coach voice with them, but they actually have me completely wrapped around their paw. I'm like, yeah, it's quite pathetic. No, it's not <laughs> pathetic, man. Come on. No, they're, they're you your, call your babies, man. They're I'm my just, babies. That's yeah. right. No, I'm, you don't have to apologize for that. I'm just laughing because Pete said it's like living with pirates. It is, man. It's like it's a very tenuous piece. We, yeah, we don't want. We don't need to get into my. I'm yes, sorry. So the, the dynamic with my dogs. So all this should stay in the. <laughs> so I hope. I hope GD's going yeah, to leave cut. all all of this, this in. Yeah, probably. Can, in fact, can we just can we just keep can we just stay distracted here? And I haven't asked you about the displeasure scale in a long time, Darius. Like, is there? Yeah, we've been deep in the weeds that, on basketball. Is there been just anything broke in off your in your life that's popped into the displeasure scale? Um, and has it been regular life or has it been something in basketball? Nothing. So nothing lately. Honestly, I've been very much. Look, the Lakers season hit so many levels of the displeasure scale that now that we're out of that mix, Mike, that regular things that might have seemed like they would hit the scale, they they pale in comparison. Like like I'm still in that honeymoon period of of okay, like that Stockholm syndrome sort sort of vibe yeah. of of like none of this is so bad. I could deal <laughs> with this, right? So give it a little bit more time and soon enough, like there will be a thing. I will say though, speaking of watching other teams play and just how riled up you possibly can get when you really 
don't have rooting interest, but you kind of just want to see the thing happen that you think mm. is supposed to happen based off yeah. of the flow of the game. We were talking about this the other day, but I was quite just I was getting a little bit more upset than I should have at the way that Minnesota blew that last lead in the last game. <laughs> yeah, right? like watching bad basketball is frustrating, like even if you don't have a rooting interest. The yes. Russell the Russell shot for me got almost to microwave fish level. Like number number two on your scale. Like that that one that one got to me. I was I was texting about I that. I was one. quite frustrated just watching some of the decisions. And honestly, Russell's shot to me was the cherry on the Sunday after watching Honestly, after watching Edwards just take jump shot after jump shot, even after they were running actions to get switches. So they were doing the things to get the switch. And then he was still just like, oh, I'm going to pull up and shoot a jumper. Anyways, if, if I can defend, I like Edwards. So maybe I'm just being a, a, a fan here, but oh, they had carried him I'm, off I the floor. Edwards yeah, Edwards Homer here they too. They carried him off of the floor with a, a leg thing the game before. I don't think he was necessarily at his bounciest attack the rim. I like that. That may may have been what he had to give. I totally get that. I totally get it. I'm just saying, though, that in those moments, then what I'm hoping for is like a little bit more drive and kick, a little bit more like make some something happen. But he's a young player and these are the growing pains of playoff basketball. And it's super interesting to sort of watch that growth. Well, and that's why that's on D'Lo and Cat, right? Like, yes. you're well, not you can't you're not the young dudes anymore. This is like you're seven. Right? Yes. Well, for Cat, especially Cat's the dude where I'm just like, no, man, like we can't we're not going to talk about you like you're young. You're not young. Right. You're not Pat Beverly old, but but you're you're closer to year 10 than you are to year three. Right. It's Edwards. That's a second year guy or whatever. It, like you're not young. Like that dude is young. And D'Lo has been to the playoffs already. Like he should know better than this he's the only one of that young core that has actually seen playoff action so mike you got me on a sidetrack about the displeasure scale yeah, it's it's, it's hard to be too <laughs> invested in that sort of stuff and, and get me riled up but when i'm watching a team that's just like no man like go out there and win the game put pressure on this other team that is supposed to win and make them feel it do a little bit more what new orleans was doing right and they didn't get that done. So th that's kind of where, where well, I've been, though. Generally, in, in it's just like, oh, I'm just rolling with what's let me kinda, going If on. I can wrap that in a in a Chris Paul and maybe bring LeBron into it, watching those guys play in the playoffs especially, there, are, there aren't that many moments typically where I'm like, ah, th what is he doing? Like, why is he doing that? You know, what is the purpose of that? It's, it's even like the, the most – thing that, that might happen with LeBron is that he'll settle for the occasional jumper, but it's usually for a good reason, you know, and he's, and he's just doing it because he's pacing within his own, because he knows I'm about to attack the rim 16 times in the fourth quarter. So let me just see if I can stretch the defense a little bit with this pull up three, right. And, and especially now that it's got a, so that I'm not saying there aren't ever uh, things like that. And Chris is somewhat similar that the stuff with Chris that gets you mad is like when he, you know, tries to kick Alvarado in the nuts, right? That kind of stuff that where he just goes, he caught him with that last foul, Mike, he yes. caught him. Like he got called, he got free throws and popped Alvarado in the mouth. Yes. who Was re representing 
Puerto Ricans all, all over the world. Uh, we don't have a lot of representation in the NBA. So he was hooping and yeah, cut, pop, popped him right in the mouth after Alvarado yep. had a great series had, against him. So it was like, yeah, that evidence. Oh man. He was walking around trying to sell it too. Uh, let's take one last break and let's, let's talk about the Pelicans. Talk to me, D. This was a, a team that talk about we we uh, were talking about the Nuggets season dying an honorable honorable death. The New Orleans Pelicans took some huge strides this season. Tell me what you saw in them. They're just a team on the rise. I thought the McCollum trade was huge for them. Um, I think Ingram slotting Ingram appropriately and having another skill guard next to him, um, I thought was super useful. There was last season, Zion really started to handle the ball a lot more. And I don't think him and Ingram ever really found that chemistry. And it was more your turn, my turn with them. And Ingram was a lot of times relegated to us to spots on the floor that aren't really where he prefers to do the most work. Um, And I thought him and CJ had a much better partnership. In that way, um, we'll see what happens when Zion comes back. But they're a well-built team, right? Like the getting CJ and Nance in that trade, um, I thought was just great work. And it allowed them to push Graham to a more bench role. And and then Alvarado's um, emergence made it so that they didn't even really need Graham. And Mm -hmm. that's to me, that's exactly where you want a player like that. Like we don't need you. Right. We, we talked a lot about how the Lakers needed monk and how they needed mellow and how they needed, they, they needed these guys that should have been more marginal guys where everything they give you is a bonus rather than, uh, well, you didn't get that. And now you lose. And you lose by five points maybe because Melo went went three for nine when you really needed him to go five for nine that night, Mike. And, and, and so I thought the Pelicans found their stride with the way that they were connected as, as a group and how everyone seemed to know their roles. And I think, Darius, that's a good place to go to Willie Green and to think about not just the series that he had and yeah. kind of the season that they had, but even the moments after the game where we saw him get emotional and Chris Paul was asked about it on the TNT walk-off. And I think that's a cool sports moment to see. And it's also cool that in 2022, yeah. we're going to have limited numbers of people, you know, criticizing him for doing it, right? You're going to get, I think he's going to get- That was awesome, get, man. I want to yeah. play for a guy like that. Right. And I think I think that's going to be the, I, I'm not going to put it past some shows to be able to, to go the other way on oh, that. But I think the- well, okay, exactly. But that's that's the point, right? That's the progress that we've made, hopefully. Uh, and, and so that's going to be recognized, I think, as a, as a moment for Willie Green. And but when Darius was talking about some of the just the the rest of what happened in that series for the Pelicans, I'm thinking, man, what, so he's got Murphy, the rookie who didn't play much early in the season, playing 22 minutes in these big moments like he's got Alvarado playing 31 minutes. Um, he's got Herb Jones playing 40. Like he's really trusting his young guys to the point where their confidence has been built up so high. And and guess what? Like those guys really fit nicely into what they have going on um, as a unit. And I do think that when Zion comes back, it's going to, there's going to be an adjustment period because yeah. Ingram didn't particularly seem to love. I shouldn't say that. 
it was a, it wasn't the easiest fit for what bi likes to do on offense having zion basically have the ball the whole time and being point zion and just like being super efficient doing it and getting to the rim but that that let's set that aside for a moment uh, i just think that green deserves a lot of credit for and the players give it to him all the time when they're asked about it and you can just tell that it's a nice mix there and he wasn't scared to try what he thought was going to work young guy old guy and and that was impressive to me to watch throughout the the second half of the season especially and certainly this playoff series yeah he was the the progress they made from starting the season as a one in 12 team and in some ways i think zion sitting out this season was a blessing for them because it allowed them to establish a better culture and that was something that really carried throughout this series was they play really hard those rookies that you're talking about were certainly instilled with confidence but they earned those minutes man herb jones is really good and alvarado we've you know we've talked about him and his ball pressure and the spirit that he brings to the game but you know, uh, and 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 even Trey Murphy, right, is is a guy that has a lot of potential as a three and D player. We've talked so much about the attribute of strength that they were full of the attribute of length, right? So many guys with long arms and high motor and great athletes. That was a place. That's a component of the game, uh, an area of the game where I think Phoenix is vulnerable. Is you get them out in the open court, and it's Chris Paul and Jay Crowder and. They don't have a lot of guys who are like, that guy's a great athlete, at least compared to a lot of the teams they're playing against. And so they were getting out in transition. Herb Jones had like four steals. He had that beautiful play where he went behind his back and then finished up on the on the other side. Just, yeah, like that that guy can really, can really play. And so, I don't know, if I was in their shoes, I would consider shopping Zion, to be quite honest with you. I think that they've got, like, that was a really good team. Like, Phoenix... Needed all 14 of them shots from Chris Paul to beat them in that game. And just because a game's competitive doesn't mean that it's necessarily good. That game was a great game. And part of that was how well that New Orleans played. I think that they have really found something and found like the shape of their team that I talked about so much with the Lakers this year that I'd really consider, you know, I don't know. I I, I think that I would build off of this foundation. I'll be interested to see where Zion fits in. He's a once-in-a-generation talent whose body has failed him more than you would want it to fail him early on in in his career. Some guys get over that, and some don't. And there's going to be a calculation involved with all of this. I do love their foundation. It's funny, though. I was thinking about the Pelicans. I was thinking about the Grizzlies. Thinking about the Timberwolves. And then I was thinking about our Lakers. <laughs> the West had sort of a down year this year, I think, yeah. relative to the East. And one of the reasons why the Lakers were even in it to the level that they were in it for as long as they were in it was because of the sort of wackiness of the standings, right? Where Phoenix basically lapped the field and then there was this Battle then for two and three with Golden State and Memphis. And then after that, it literally could have been anyone um, based off of who got hot for a two or a three week stretch. And then, you know, we were talking about Jokic and how much he carried a Nuggets team and we harped on their injuries. Well, those injuries are going to be over in theory next season. We'll see about Michael Porter Jr.'s back. But my I guess my point is, gentlemen, the West to me projects to be very strong 
next season. And the Lakers do not yet have a team for us to fawn over or argue about or poke holes in or not, right? We just don't know what that team is going going to be. I know that this is a whole other pod and we're going to have a whole bunch of time to talk about that. But as you watch the playoffs and you watch some of these young teams and even some of the veteran teams that feel like, oh, well, they're closer, but they're not closer to the end. They're closer like of finding the best version of of themselves do like streaks of concern sort of jump into your head about like what the Lakers are and where they're going and how it all fits together for them, considering all of the uncertainty around the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yes. What, and what you mentioned about the West, the reason why it was a difficult year was mostly because of all the injuries. And so there's, there's LeBron, there's AD, there's Kawhi being out the whole year. There's Paul George being out half the year. Um, there's, uh, there's, uh, who am I, who am I missing here at the, um, at the, oh, so Murray, of course, and Porter for Denver. And so just those four teams right there, um, that's boom. And, and even like Steph and Draymond missing time for Golden State that dropped them from being right next to Phoenix. So all of, in theory, all of these guys, and, and of course, where we started the conversation with Zion now, New Orleans to your, to the point that you just made they kind of use Zion's absence to really come together as a team. And I don't think you could say the same, you know, about the Lakers or the Clippers, right. Uh, with at least in terms of what they're, what those guys are going to bring when they get back next year. And so Pete there, there's a very understandable and good argument for trying to figure out what Zion would render in return. And, and yet you don't have to do it. Right until no, you get a look at them. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good they, alternative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So get so see so and and I think that there will be takers right for somebody with that kind of talent. But just looking, I saw something on IG the other day that was just kind of Zion's Duke highlights and the difference between his body now and his body then. And yet, you know, you could put together a pretty a different kind of ridiculous highlight reel. But from when he played last year in New Orleans, where yes, he's bigger, mm-hmm. but he was still dominating. He's in nuts. certain yeah. ways, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, an interesting situation for them. And they also have a bunch of picks still coming to them, not just still one more from the Lakers um, after, after this one that they'll keep in the lottery. Um, but then they have the picks from the Drew Holiday trade to Milwaukee still coming. So it's, yeah, they've got a lot, they've got a lot going on there uh, for sure. And they're going to be, they're going to be a team that's going to have to be dealt with just like many of the other teams in the West. And so to getting back to Darius's question, like, yes, there's some concern there um, as you, as the Lakers try to figure out how to get to the top of that mix, which is of course where they want to be. Yeah. My, my concern with the Lakers is doesn't have much to do with the, a, a team like the Pelicans necessarily. And even, I don't know guys, like maybe I'm just an enormous Homer, but I watched this, these Western conference playoffs. And I think like, you know, if we were healthy, which we weren't at, for a great part of the season, if we were healthy and we were clicking in a seven-game series where everybody's motivated, we'd at least give several of these teams a run, as flawed as we were. I really think that the nature of playoff basketball is it would have uh, facilitated that. And that's while having a ton of holes ourselves. So I'm honestly watching the Eastern Conference playoffs going this is higher caliber basketball like this is i see potential champions in ways what do you think of atlanta i'm just kidding let's say (laughs) (laughs) 
I I see better basketball being played out east than the west. And so when I talk about like what I'm concerned about, it's more like I know how well you have to play to be able to win a title. And I've we've also seen a lot of different versions of NBA champions that weren't exactly built the same. So that all informs our opinions on what it takes to build a champion in the first place. But with respect to us, my biggest concern is that we have a very thin foundation now, right? Where, yes, the starting blocks of LeBron and AD are there, but very little else. Every other team that is going to be doing anything of significance next year in the West or in basketball in general is going to consist of, in almost every case, of players who've been playing together for a number of years. And that's probably not going to be the case with our team. So so I, I, I'm really curious to see what happens with Russ. I'm really curious to see what happens with our, our coaching staff. But my biggest concern, D, is that we are we have to hit on a number of things that happened this summer to get back to. Now, we have LeBron and Andy, and that that means a whole lot. But we need to do a lot of other things right between now and the you know the next buyout. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the next buyout market to to get to that point. And yeah, I, I it, that uh, the the odds of nailing that many things are yeah yeah. There's just a lot that has has to go right, and the more things you say well, this needs to go right, then the more likely it is that not all of those things go right. Like, that's right. I don't know what to say, right? (laughs) Anyways, it's just a very interesting thing because I agree with you on the quality of what a championship team looks like. But I will say that I've seen championship team steamroll. Like, yeah, this is true. Like the 01 Lakers. And I've seen championship teams get pushed to seven games damn near every round. damn near mm-hmm. every series mm-hmm. before they and looking like oh wait what's going on with this team i don't know i i remember during the run to the championship in 2020 there was a point in time where i was i probably had a very animated rant right here on the LFR pod about respect of the game and understanding what you need to do and actually doing the things that you were supposed to do. And you were just like, come on, man, like this team is clearly the best team. They're going to win. And that was true. That proved to be true. So is what you were saying though. Yeah. And there was, but it can always be both. There's always a yes and no to everything. Right. Sure. But, the way that the Lakers, it's very easy to get stuck in what the Lakers were this year and project that moving forward, right? And the Lakers need to work on themselves in order for yes. that not to be the thing yes. that does carry forward. And as I watch successful teams in the playoffs battle, and whether they triumph or they die their honorable deaths, those battles that they are executing aren't against themselves. 
which so often the Lakers did. Mm. And with, I'm not going to, we're not going to get into it now, but with like leaks and press stuff and Mm -hmm. behind the scenes sniping and all this sort of stuff that is just sort of out there lingering like a little bit of, of a cloud. That's the sort of stuff that as with the playoffs as a backdrop, I see, I hear some of that stuff. And I think to myself, how far away are they? while these other teams continue to climb that ladder and LeBron and AD are their own little, their own little step stool to kind of cheat and get you back up the ladder. And you're like, Oh, where'd you come from? Well, Oh, well there's a staircase around there. LeBron and AD, they brought me up right there. Look, yep. they're standing right there. And so it could be very quick that way. And I never put it past the Lakers to find their way, but it sucks to have to talk about them needing to find their way again. And, and so I just had some Lakers thoughts at the end of this pod. And, and I yeah, just man. wanted to, to, to sort did. of to, to circle back to that a little bit because I love the playoffs and I wish the Lakers were in them. Beautifully said, man. That's a great place to end it, D. Beautifully said. All right, everybody have a, a great weekend. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here's on the line. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two score. Miss it. Brian. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.